Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Woo! I got to dig my bell bottoms out, get my flowered shirt. See you this Friday night. I mean, if you think that's something that uh, could touch people's hearts, I'm very excited about it. It's not just about a historic aspect. It's about what happens when Jesus begins to move in a country, starting in one location and beginning to spread across the country. It's such an amazing time. I remember at uh, Bethel Temple, which is where I grew up, Assembly God Church on uh, Pleasant Valley Road. When this began to happen and it hit our church and we were in kind of like a little warehouse building, just like what we have here. And uh, my pastor, who was, who was a pretty tightly strung Pentecostal guy, and uh, some reason, out of the grace of God, he, God moved on him like Chuck Smith, and he opened the doors of the church, and we had, we had rows of people, a vet, where are you, a vet? Stand up a minute. Do you remember that event? You were one of them, right? That's right. Yeah, she was, when did you start going there? 1974. But during that time, thanks, Yvette, she's a part of our church here, and others may have been at that time too. Uh, in the 70s, this actually is like late 60s. They believe the real seminal moment was 1972 in Dallas, Texas, where it blew up because it became more public. But, this, but the core of it, the seed of it, was in California, and they were baptizing thousands of people in the ocean. Lonnie Frisbee, who I did not know personally, but I have a friend who knows him, who knew him. And uh, Mark DuPont actually knew him well back in the uh, 70s. And the miracles, signs and wonders, deliverance from addictions and alcohol. And coming to host this for us is a guy named Mickey Robinson. Mickey Robinson's been a friend of mine for decades, and he was in a plane crash back in the late uh, 60s, I believe, right here in Brunswick. His plane crashed. And uh, the pilot was killed, and he was burned uh, on his body, half of his body. He's been that way now for, well, shoot, he's got to be in his late 60s, early 70s now. We were chatting on the phone last night. He's bringing this film to us, and uh, at the end, he will give an altar call. We're going to need people up front to help minister. So take this seriously. I know it's, it's spontaneous, but I see it as an opportunity. So... Bring your friends, bring your Christian friends, bring your non-Christian. You know, Christians need to be awakened right now. And this, this reminds them of something, even those that are old. It's, I think this is for Abraham's, Isaac's, and Jacob's, three generations. I'm a, I guess I'm an Abraham generation, but the Abrahams, the Abrahams need a, a reboot, a recharge, remembering what happens when God begins to move and it's out of control. When God begins to move, and it moves so strong, I mean, if you haven't been in that, you don't understand it. Trust me, you do not understand it. It's so easy to win someone to the Lord because they've been primed by the Holy Spirit because of some old ladies that were praying in a room somewhere, and the Holy Spirit shows up and then sweeps a nation. It's happened in many nations around the world. It has happened in this nation a number of times. The Toronto blessing was a magnificent thing that went all over the world, but the Jesus movement continues to march on through the people who experienced it in the 1970s. There is a fresh move of Jesus for this generation right now, and I'm believing God for it, and I believe that this is going to be a, uh, it's going to be a stirring. 
in our hearts. So open your Bibles if you could. <clears throat> and let's look at, uh, let's see what time is it that tells me which scripture I should use. Short version, long version. <clears throat> Let me read one of them. This verse is actually mirrored in Colossians. This is in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. It's Coloss it's, it, Colossians and Ephesians are like twin epistles. They're very similar. A little bit different. Paul wrote both of them. <clears throat> They're prison epistles. He wrote them while he was in prison. And uh, it says in Ephesians 5, verse 18 through 19, then I'll explain where we're going on this. I want to, obviously, we're talking about some aspect of flourish throughout this entire year. And uh, we're going to touch on it in so many different angles, you won't realize that it's the same thing. But uh, we're going to, we want our congregation to flourish in God this year. And that's why we're going to hammer on it 52 times. We are giving, going to give you, um, by the way, these, these hoodies, I'm, I'm sorry for the price of those. $60 is a lot of money for a hoodie. It's just what we have to pay. We're not really making money on that. It's just, it's what we had to pay for lower amounts. If we were, if we were ordering a thousand of them, we could have got them cheaper, you know, but it's $60. So we love it if you wear it because it stirs conversation. I have all kinds of shirts that I have and some that I'm designing now. I've got a new one that I'm going to use called Spread the Bread. And it's just about the presence of God. <clears throat> Lord gave me to the, that when I was praying one morning, I, I believe it was him. And so I'm going to get a t-shirt that says spread the bread and just have people ask about it and say, oh, yeah, it's not about you know, natural bread, but it's about the spiritual bread. Jesus is the bread of life. And, uh, and he's here. And if you're hungry, you can taste and see that the Lord is good. You know? So uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. I've got a whole lineup of different shirts I want to bring out over the next year because they are, they are, they are preempting what I believe is going to be a Jesus movement in America. And so you want to get your shirt ahead of time. And your, and your hoodie. So, so uh, we're talking today about spirit life because um, one of the most important things about flourishing is to understand this is not a life of the flesh. I mean, we're here. This is my body. I am contained in it. But this is a life that is spirit-led. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ, it says in the Word of God that you've been born of the Spirit. That's literally, in John 3, that's literally what it says, Spirit-born. You've been born of the Spirit. Your spirit, you have a spirit that is the essence of who you are, is quickened and awakened by the Spirit of God. And when it's awakened, you are resurrected. And now you have a new sheriff in town, you being the town, the sheriff being your spirit. For the soul has been leading you. Have you noticed how emotional people are nowadays? There's a balloon in the sky. Ah! Ah! It's one of those chicken little stories, you know? I mean, if your response was panic, you may need more of the Spirit of God moving in you, you know? I mean, I get, you know, you got to shoot it down. I mean, watch it go all across the country and then shoot it down in 45 feet of water. I... I I'm not the leader, so I can't decide if that's good or not, but I don't know. But anyway, the Spirit of God comes in, and your soul, mind, will, and emotions, your intellect, emotions, and your will, now gets taken over by the Spirit of God. And by the way, they're the parents of you. The soul is like the parents of your body. 
They determine what you look at, where you go, where you walk, and your senses are also, they're like children, your senses. They're wild, they'll do their own thing. So they have to come under subjection to the parents, the mind, the will, and emotions. When the Spirit comes, the Spirit directs the rule of your life. And now you have a choice. You, don't, you can't say, I don't know why I do that. I just have no control of what I'm doing. If you're a Christian saying that, you're wrong. You read in the epistles and you're going to find out the Spirit of God is moving through you, quickening you. Jesus said it's important for you that the helper comes, the Holy Spirit. And he will guide you into all truth and he will teach you about Jesus. You know, the number one job description of the Holy Spirit is introducing Jesus, revealing Jesus Christ. Eyes not seen, ears not heard, see neither entered in the heart of man what God's prepared, except that he reveals it by his Spirit. So there's more. Did you know there's a lifetime, there's a hundred lifetimes, there's a thousand lifetimes worth you discovering the depths, the height, the width. What did I miss? And the breadth of God and his impact into your lives. The Holy Spirit comes along and says, okay, rule number one, <laughs> let's begin. He begins to move in your life. And so Paul talks about it numerous times throughout the epistles one of the reasons I really like Paul's writings, <clears throat> I love the Gospels because it's the story of Jesus. The epistles in the book of Acts are the story of the Holy Spirit introducing Jesus. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says this, do not be drunk with wine. Those people are probably not here today, <clears throat> but it is in Scripture. Paul does this little juxtaposition of, of the spirit of wine, we call them spirits, you know, and the spirit of God. So he says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. You can look that up after time. That's your homework. But be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And then he describes what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. We just got done doing a little bit of this. But it's not just here in a, in a metal building on Sunday mornings. It's about a lifestyle, as you saw in that, it's so well depicted in this movie. The flow of the Spirit of God, the, the, the uh, animating power of God. That word has just been sticking in my mind for a couple of weeks now. The animation of God, that when He comes upon you, He makes you alive and makes you want to do some, some crazy things. Ashley dreamed last night that she was dancing all over the front, you know, uh, and, uh, and I said, so today I said, well, hey, what happened? You know, it was, you know, should have been, where, where's the dance, man? You know, get it out of your dreams, into the flesh, here, let's do it, you know. You think that's bad? I will be even more undignified than this. That's what David said. Okay, verse 19. I digress. Verse 19, speaking to one another. So this is, this is the way we communicate, folks. <laughs> The Christian life is a musical. You ever been to a musical? Oh, come over here. You know, it's like everything. Wow. I've been to a bunch of them in London, you know, not New York, but in London and here, you know, and, and after a while you get the rhythm of it. <laughs> but anyway, it says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Psalms are, are songs that are in the canon of Scripture. So these were touched by God to be expressed in Scripture so that we could see it and sing it over and over again. Some of our songs we sing are based on psalms out of the Bible. 
<clears throat> so in the early church, they sang psalms. By the way, they, they sang them to one another, that you be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You imagine if that really kicked in? Joel, you want to go out to eat today? <laughs> be amazing. Amazing. That's a spirit-filled person right there. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns. Hymns are songs that are kind of out of a person's impression or desire in a relationship with God that relates with Scripture. And so they sing hymns, and we have hymn-type songs that we sing. And spiritual songs, spiritual songs are just things that flow out of the, out of the soul. You can see up here as Allison and Rachel and others lead on Sunday morning. <clears throat> At times they're singing on script, what's up on the screen, and then sometimes they go... They, they venture outside of the, of the bounds of a song and begin to sing spiritual songs and they're anointed. They touch your heart and they sing to where we are. And I thank the Lord for all these ladies and guys who lead worship here at the church. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What's it look like for a Jesus revolution person who is filled with the Holy Spirit? They're always got a little bump in their step, you know, as they're walking around and they're joyful about the Lord. And it's, it's like, it, they, they're not complaining and frustrated. I just got a new word today. I like to say, Cindy, you'll laugh at this because I, I always joke about people who say, I like to say, and then they say something everyone says. It's like, well, dude, everyone says that. So it's not just you who says that. But this is one that came to me yesterday, that some people complain all the time. It's like, you know, complaining is like demonic prophecy. <clears throat> it is. And some of them, some people are on a campaign. I call it a campaign. <laughs> That's going to show up on Wikipedia before you know it. <laughs> Campaign. Like, they're just like everything. They're campaigning. You know, what about that? I don't like that. It was too hot, too hurt. I don't like it. Sorry. Well, I don't know. We always, the line's too long. You know, we always like that. They, when the Spirit of the God comes upon you, that gets obliterated. In fact, you, you can't think to complain. Because everywhere you look, it's like shades have been taken off. You see goodness. You see mercy. You see, you see potential. You see hope for people that are hopeless. And you can easily encourage them because it's not me. I tell you, at my core, I'm a campaigner. I was born a campaigner. I see fault really easy. So the Spirit of God came. There is a process they work. Periodically, I fall back into complaining. But you know, it's the Spirit of God that comes upon you and quickens you and causes you to be more and more like Jesus Christ and the image of Jesus Christ. That is the work of the Spirit. And we are called to be that way. This church. By the way, thank you for coming today. This is a great crowd. So it says, speaking to one another, song, spiritual song. I mean, my introduction to this was my, my mother, of course, when I was young. I came home. I've told the story many times. But, you know, I, I came in. I was uh, uh, 10 years old. <clears throat> I came in in Brooklyn, Ohio. We wa walked in the house, and I heard out of the basement, like this, and I'm like, I'm 10. A Baptist 10. I'm like... I just kind of quietly went up the steps into the house, kind of tried to hide myself. I don't know what's going on. I heard there was some things about women that I didn't know. <laughs> but I, 
I'm too young. I don't know what's going on there. So she comes up. She goes, Steve, where are you? So I'm up here. <clears throat> I'm up here doing my homework. She knew that was a lie. And she, uh, well, come down here a minute. So I came down and she said, uh, did you hear me in the basement when you came in the door? And I'm like, now part of me wanted to say, no, I heard nothing. I didn't hear anything. Yeah. She goes, do you want that? Was it? No, you know, I don't, I don't, I gotta, I gotta go, mom. And I left. It just freaked me out. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know she sang. And uh, actually, she didn't sing real well. None of, no one in our family sings really well. <laughs> but it, it was not a family trait, you know. But, but when she sang in the spirit, it was amazing. But I found out that it's not in worship. When you come here and worship, it's not about the quality of your voice. It's not even about the quality of the song. It's the quality of the heart. And if the heart has been touched powerfully by the Spirit of God, you can sing anywhere. And we are called to do that, and we're called to sing to one another. I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm just throwing it out there. We're called to sing to one another, speak to one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Why? There's power in it. We edify, we build up one another in the Spirit, it says in Scripture. Build one another up. Build yourself up. The most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting. When you think about this, and, and I've, of course, been thinking about it for, for weeks now, I'm thinking about the power of God to break off. I, I love the, what does it say? Uh, it's Isaiah 61. It says, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Like when you're heavy, you should be able to come into a service like this and shake it off. Because you're putting on a garment of praise. I like the fact that it's a put on a garment of praise. You've got to put it on. You've got to come into church. You, know, you can't come into church with a coffee in your hand and go, all right, do your best. <clears throat> all right, see if you can get any joy out of me. Like, I'm really frustrated right now. I'm ticked off. I'm just, you know, oh, it's horrible. But I'll stand here, you know, I'll feel a little buzz in my heart, but I'm not going to do everything. I mean, you just need to take me over if you're going to do it. Do you know what? That seldom ever works. When you come in, because everything engages by faith, when you decide, I'm going in and I'm going to worship today. You know, sometimes I lift my hands just because I don't feel like it. I'm like, oh yeah? <laughs> you're not going to blame me. Yeah. Take that. Spiritual warfare. Right, Joel? Right? Yeah, lift your hands. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You don't do that. I mean, it's not because you're in a good mood. It's because you're leaning into a good mood. And you realize that, oh, a cheerful heart does good like medicine. Even though I don't feel like it, when I begin to sing, when I begin to reach out, wow, amazing things begin to happen in my life. This is meant to be Holy Spirit therapy every Sunday morning. You come in late, you might miss something. Just saying. If you're focused on your coffee, your kids, and everything else, you might miss something. Somehow, at some point, you've got to grab a moment corporately where you just put your hands up and you begin to... I mean, these song, song choices today were excellent. I mean, it just kind of... I don't know what that second song was that 
Allison sang, but man, every time, it's like my, one of my top 40s in my soul, you know? And when they sing it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is my song, Joel. Joel and I worship together. This is my song. You go, oh, I love it. I love it, you know? His eyes flickering away as he's talking. <laughs> 1984. <laughs> oh, it's 11-11, Joel. <laughs> 1984, I was in a deep depression. Uh, it's easy to talk about now. Some, something, something happens in, in 40 years. But uh, I was 26, 27 years old, and uh, everything I dreamed about had been happening. I mean, in a three, three and a half year period, the Jesus movement was upon us. We'd blown up from a, uh, a little, little <laughs> anemic, crippled, but hungry group over at Towsley Elementary right here. We started a church over there. And uh, <clears throat> there was probably about, on a good day, you know, first couple months, we, we drew a lot of people, maybe 100 people, which was an amazing crowd back then in 1980, 1980 actually. And, uh, uh, you know, it grew up, and then we got some people to come in and help us out. They came in and helped us out, and we blew up to, I don't know, a thousand people or something, and we were doing these uh, Holy Spirit meetings called Acts Meetings, Authentic Christianity Training Series, and uh, ACTS. We loved uh, acronyms. Where's, where's uh, Josh, Fish, or Josh Taylor? I know you love acronyms. So we had that acronym back there, and they would come, Rain Junior High School, Middleburg, packing out 1,000 people, 1,100 people. It was amazing. Holy Spirit moved to heal people. We, I mean, within a three-year period, this community was developing. We had a number, I, I think about seven or eight uh, houses that... Uh, we had men's houses and ladies' houses where brothers would come together and share a house and disciple one another and live in that environment and, and ladies would do the same. And, and then all, we had over 200 singles and they all found one another and got married. And so, I mean, there's a generation of kids out there from that move of God in those first three to four years in 1980. But the, what came up is in 83, the Lord spoke to me about going to Canada and I shared it with my brothers. They didn't understand it. So uh, literally, long story short, I ended up out in the street in one of the greatest depressions that I had ever experienced, the greatest depression of my life. I roamed the streets of Brunswick. I've been here for a while. I roamed the streets of Brunswick, you know, just with my hoodie on and just walking around and just, you know, I would try to pray, but every time I prayed, the, the, the uh, looming thoughts of, of uh, the horrible fall and the transition, the separation, the... You know, I mean, I was, it was like being excommunicated, you know, and, and in the midst of that, in the midst of that, this is like 1984, 1984. In the midst of that, I went home and got my, uh, turned my record player on. <laughs> Put it on there, the Imperials. And, and the Imperials' key song was Praise the Lord. And here's the words to it. I'd sing it to you, but there's no way I could get it out. But this is my point. I needed something to draw out, draw me above my depression, my discouragement, my brokenness. I mean, the Lord was trying everything. He, he brought a water guy in to try to win me to the Lord, basically. I was one to the Lord, but I was just deeply depressed and discouraged. And depression back then wasn't what it is now. I mean, the, the medications, were, I mean, it was just, it wasn't what it is. And, uh, you know, we've, we've really moved in, I think, over the past 40 years and appreciated and understood where people are and try to help them in serious ways. But if you're depressed back then, it's like, get over it, you know. Just don't be depressed anymore. 
It's like, okay, yeah. Anyway, so I'm putting on the Imperials in there. When are you up against the struggle? I'll send you. I think I might have to sing it. It shatters all your dreams. <laughs> you know, and I'm there like, <laughs> and the hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes, and you feel the urge within you to submit to your earthly fears. It's where I am. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. You know how hard it is to praise the Lord in the midst of that? But if you're paying attention to the verses up here, these are words of the Lord into your heart. Amen. The Lord's calling you into a better place. Did you know the Bible says shout for joy? It doesn't mean shout for joy like, I know you're joyful, let's shout. It's oh, shout for joy. You get the joy when you shout. You sing for joy. You count it all joy. In James, when you suffer various trials and fiery trials, trials that come upon you. And so right now, this is my, my 1884 technological therapy is a, is a record player playing this song, which by the way, that day I played it over and over again. I wept deeper and deeper. And what was happening, the Lord was sending his word deep into my heart. He was cutting away the depression. Actually through that, I got totally, totally freed from depression and have not experienced it since that time, you know. And it was bad. But I mean, as I sing it, praise the Lord. He who works through those who praise him, praise the Lord for God inhabits praise. This is scripture. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you. This is the line that hit me. The chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powers powerlessly behind you when you praise the Lord. Woo! What a song. Then the next verse, I got a little more confidence. Now, Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think we are paupers when he knows himself. We're children of the king, so lift up your mighty shield of faith. I'm like, yes. You know, in my little apartment up there was a pine wood or where I had my little apartment, you know, my shield of the earth. I'm, I'm just one of those guys when I get touched by the spirit, I, I, used, I should have been a, like a prophetic dancer, because I, I have to use my arms alone. I express the Lord. I lift my shield. It's prophetic activation. I lift my shield. I love all these middle-aged ladies like, yeah, that's right. We do it all the time. <laughs> lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen, so the work's already done. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. So it's a, it's a shift of your focus and flourishing. If you're gonna flourish on this side of heaven, you have to align yourself with the word of God. You cannot question it all the time. I know we have moments where, I don't know, I'm not feeling that right now. You've gotta learn how to break out of that. I mean, I had to be simplistic on it, but it's all about faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. God is moved by faith. Do you know the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is not only about us enacting something that God is revealing to us. It brings pleasure to the Lord when you move in faith. Yes. And when your children begin to walk, you know, it's, it's simple. You know they're going to fall. You know they're only going to take two steps. When they take those first steps and you're standing over there, you got, got a carrot or something, you're going to get, you know, or an Oreo or something. I don't know. But all of a sudden they, no, you can't do that. They're too young. But anyway, you're stepping, they're stepping like that. You're there like, woo, woo. You know, they, you don't do that when they're 18. You know, walk in and your mom goes, yahoo! What are you doing, mom? You're walking. It's amazing. 
No, it's a set time where it's really amazing. But later on, it becomes the rhythm of your life. Christianity is the same way. The move of the Spirit is the same way. Yes, in those early days, we're excited about your little testimony of what happened to your life, and that's cool, and that is a weapon, and that is powerful. But you know what? You've got some things to do. You've got to learn out there, learn how the Spirit of God works in your life. You need to understand it. To understand that, you need to know the Word of God. As you study the Word of God, it leaps off the pages. You know, I got a daily reading. I, I, I have a hard time getting through the daily reading because I write so much stuff down. I'm like, oh, wait, that's really good. You know, I got to meditate on that a minute. Wow, wow. There's more. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's more, and I keep reading. What it does is it starts building up the resources in my soul that the Spirit can reach into and use at any time against the powers of darkness. So we're spirit-led people. We're people that are born of the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit of God. In Isaiah 54, I want you to turn there a minute because there's something, this is really like the core of what I want to share and I've only got 10 minutes left. Isaiah 54 is so powerful because people have been in Babylonian captivity. If you read much about it, it was, it was not great. I mean, they, they survived, they made it through there. These are, these, these are people that <clears throat> probably the people that are coming out of Babylonian captivity, most of them, which was 70 years, most of them would have been born in captivity. So all they've ever known is slavery. All they've ever known is a tyrannical governing situation. And so they are, they are kind of awakening to the fact that there's some, what freedom feels like. What it feels like when you're totally free in the Spirit of God. And I may talk about that more in the days ahead. But Isaiah 54 says this. Look at verse I think it's verse one, right? Sing, O barren, is that it? Sing, O barren. Now, here's how the Spirit works. This is, this is, this is the life that you can, you can live in Christ, that He not only speaks these things, He will weave it into your daily life without you even knowing it. Sometimes you will know it, but without you even knowing it. He will give you on-the-job training. That day, whatever you read becomes a necessity in your life. And you have hidden it in your heart. So a couple weeks ago, I was in Florida. I was talking to a pastor, a friend of mine down there. We we're out to uh, getting fo, fa, fo, fa, fo, fa. Getting some fa. And uh, a good fa restaurant. Fa, far away. Anyway, it, uh, I told him, he was, he was sharing some things with me. And I said, this is what I... And we've had connection for several years. I've preached in his church in Bradenton and stuff like that. And I just said, you know what? You, you've got you to prepare for what's coming. He goes, what do you, what do you mean by that? And so I, I started explaining it to him. I said, it's Isaiah 54. It was out of my reading. I said, Isaiah 64, you, you've got to get the, because I've been to his building. I know what's I said, you've got to get that building and that property and the people ready for what's about to come. And he said, well, like, what would that look like? So I threw out a few suggestions. He said, yeah, we could do that. We could, actually, we've got enough acreage to put a tent in the back. We could easily go from 300 to 3,000 pretty quick, you know, if something like that had the right smack dab in the middle of Bradenton, a great church down there, a guy named uh, uh, Don Sturiano is the pastor. He's just a great guy. And so I told him that. Anyway, then I fly back home. And on the way home, <clears throat> he sends me a text. And he says, uh, so I'm telling him to prepare his church for the future. He said, hey, you might want to see this. Bill Johnson, that Sunday that I was down there, 
in Redding, California, preached a message out of Isaiah 54 and talked about enlarging the place of your dwelling. So when you get these little punctuations and confirmations, you realize, oh, I'm being spirit-led. Now, sometimes they're overt, sometimes they're not. You move into a restaurant and realize that the, the see, when you're awakened in the spirit, you're seeing everything different than you did before. Everything is an opportunity for God to show his love. Whether it's a, a cook or a, or a, a waitress or someone walking down the street or whatever it might be. I mean, there's, there's that level of awakening. By the way, I, I got hugely awakened in 2018 and 2019. And then the pandemic came. Pandemic shut a lot of this down. You know, you're not allowed to talk to people, social distancing, wear your mask. I mean, it just, it, it became awkward, really, to evangelize, to speak with people about Jesus. So, so even after it happened, I noticed that, that the enemy had kind of crushed some of the enthusiasm in my life. Any of you feel that? It's just like a, a pruning down, you know. So we're breaking out right now. We're breaking out right now. You're going to invite some people to this film this Friday or Saturday because, and it's going to be something outside of what you normally do. You're going to, wow, I don't know if I can do that. But you're going to do something that is in faith. You're going to do something that is spirit-led. You're going to do something that says, I'm going to sing even though I'm barren. Someone who's been barren, just by bringing it up, is a reminder, I'm barren. The barrenness that's talked about in Scripture is somebody who could not have children and somebody who will not have children. But he tells him, he goes, sing, O barren one. So he's prophesying. You're prophesying to your own soul, basically. You who have not born, no fruit, no promise of it, what are you going to do to miss that situation? You're going to sing. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who are barren. That's not just, just children. This is the fruitfulness of your life. In your most difficult situation, you were given an opportunity to walk in faith. Like Job, when everything was taken away from him, he didn't start a campaign. You know what he did? He fell down and worshiped the Lord. You know how much that aggravated the devil? It aggravated him because he said, okay, okay, okay. Here's the deal. So that didn't work. But if you touch his physical body, that's sure to work, you know. And of course, he had his difficulties, he had his struggles. It came out in the end and he got the double portion anointing at the end. Why? Because at the end of it all, he stood with the Lord. He stood as a man who was led by the Spirit and he stood in faith that God somehow is gonna bring this situation around. So break forth into singing. This is being prophesied, Isaiah is prophesying to a people that have been in slavery for 70 years. He says, cry out, break forth, sing. I don't feel like it. Paul and Silas didn't feel like it either when they were in the prison. But the singing was the actual thing that caused the jailhouse to rock. When they began to sing and praise the Lord, <clears throat> you imagine that? What did that sound like? What did they sing? Really? I am a child of God. Whoa, whoa. All the other prisoners are in there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the house begins to shake. That would be normal in an earthquake. But the doors opened up and the chains fell off. This is what happens when you decide, I am not going to be led by my emotions. I'm not going to be led by even my will. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be like the righteous or as bold as a lion. And when I speak out, I'm going to believe something's going to happen. And when you do that, 
Don't be surprised that things begin to shake. Not just in the natural. I love when people move into spirit, things at work start, start to tremble a little bit, like, oh, something's going on here. Yeah, you know what? I can prophesy the future. Doors are about to open. That speaks of opportunity to escape <laughs> and to find something else. Doors open, chains fall off. It's freedom. Why would chains fall off? In an earthquake, chains don't fall off. Doors don't open. The earthquake opened the doors, and even, this is one of my, one of my prophetic hopes for Cleveland, even the jailer comes to Jesus Christ. And there are people imprisoning this city with fentanyl, drugs, and all kinds of other things. We want to believe for revival. It's going to affect, cut off the supply chain. Why not have a bad supply chain for drugs? Where's that? The difficulty of the supply chain, drugs were still getting through. So we've got to stop that in the spirit. So what do we do? We respond in natural things in faith to invade a spiritual world. Break forth in a singing, cry aloud, who have not labored. Let me jump down here. A few more verses. Enlarge the place of your tent. He's telling a barren woman to put on a spare bedroom. See, it's one thing to be kind of hoping in God. Well, you know, I'm, I'm believing. I'm believing for a miracle. Every day, I mean, I'm praying, I'm believing. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know, there's something else when you put skin in the game. When you give your last dollar to someone in need, saying, well, might as well bless them, you know. And just see that the, the trembling begin to happen, the doors begin to open, the chains beginning to fall up. Why? Because you stepped outside of yourself. You are entering into the kingdom of heaven and the ways that God operates. And I'm telling you, it is an amazing place to be. And so Paul or uh, Isaiah is telling, telling them, look, enlarge the place of your tent. You know, we built this building. You're, you're sitting in a miracle right here. We built this building with 130 people in the little building in the back here. And it was Cindy. Cindy had the word of the Lord. I, you know, I went home one night. We were talking about the building. Oh, what are we going to do? I was, you know, I was on a camp plane. And I was saying, what are we going to do? And, you know, there's no, not, there's not money. Then we only have 130 people. You know, we don't want to build it too big. And we're going to be stuck with the building. You know, it's going to be bad. We're getting old. You know, it's stuff. All this, everything was being thrown in there, you know. And Cindy said, uh, Cindy said in a very polite way, uh, what'd you say, Cindy? She's not in here. She left. Right from here. She said, go big or go home. There she is. <laughs> she said, go big and go home. And, and I, now normally I would have been offended by that. I, I, I am going big. I, I feel, you know, I'm thinking about it. It's, you know, that's pretty big. And she said, go big or go home. That's all she said. I said, what do you mean by that? She goes, oh, no, I just felt like I needed to say that. Now, that could have been God. And sure enough, it was. And now that word the Holy Spirit, what he does, it's like a seed of energy. When, someone, when we speak to one another in that way, it sows seeds of energy and hope and the will to do it. And so I just thought, let's do it. So I got the architect, laid out what we wanted the building to look like. They, they built this building for us. You know, we paid $2 million for this whole structure and a little lean-to over here and all that stuff. And they told me just about a month or two ago that this is now worth $3.5 million, this building. If you built it right now. So, but what, what, what it did, it was, it was honestly, it boiled down to one little seed dropped in my heart by my wife, go big or go home, which is not even scriptural, I don't think. We could probably find it in there somewhere, but go big or go home. And, and it stirred me and, and, and now we had this, you know. 
And so the Lord is stirring me again. And I'm praying he's stirring you. I believe we need to think bigger than we've ever thought before, but it means you need to stretch out of where you are. You can't just sit back and go, well, I'll join when it happens. I'll be there when it comes. You'll see me, Pastor, when the Holy Spirit shows up. I tell you right now, from personal experience, you are not going to see it. And if you come to it, you'll be critical of it. But if you get in now and you start dreaming and saying, you know what, I'm going to enlarge my tent. What does that mean? It means get out of your small world and think into a bigger realm. Start to believe that God wants to flourish you through 2023. He wants to do, I'm not just talking about finances. He wants to flourish you in all ways with opportunities and situations that are beyond your reach and would never happen any other way, but God shows up. So I'm preaching to this side, man. They're really enthusiastic over a larger place, stretch out. Stretch out the curtains. What's that mean? Stretch. Put your hands up. Begin to worship God. Get a little bit exuberant about what God's doing in your life. Even if it's only a seed of a testimony, use that seed with everything you've got. Tell it to everyone you come in contact with. You stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Lengthen your cords. Go beyond where you are and strengthen your stakes. For you, if you do this personally, this is your personal work. That's what they say in pop psychology right now. Do the work. That's the work. Get your act together. Let the Holy Spirit actually change you and develop you and shape you and get you faith-minded so when this thing breaks out in the power that I believe it's going to break out in, you're going to be there like, this is exactly what I saw. This is exactly what I sense. This is what I'm hoping for. I'm ready. What do I need to do? And who knows what's going to happen? I've told you testimonies of Toronto where we were sending the custodians all over the world because no one else could, everyone else was busy going to other places in the world. And the big criteria of anyone during the Toronto Blessing Days was, were you there? If you were there, they'd ask you to speak. <laughs> Esther comes to me. I mean, it's just like thousands of people being sent out. So what happens? We expand. It says, here's the promise that comes with it. And I'm, let's stand up so you know I'm done. <laughs> Verse, I love this passage. I'll put some of it on my podcast this week, the things I missed, so you'll get to hear it if you want. It drops on Friday. Um, it says this. Isaiah is told them what, what the work is they need to do. They need to actually get involved in Christianity. You got to get involved in this thing. There's actually stuff you do. You lean into it. Every prophetic word I've ever gotten, probably, I've leaned into I said, okay, what, what, what does it look like? For that word to come about, what do I need to, how do I need to position myself to align myself with that word if I really believe it's from God? Chris Vallotton gave me a word about a mantle hidden in my chest. <laughs> and he says, of why there's been a big battle. And I've had, you know, heart surgery and I had cancer in the same spot, actually, in my aorta. And it, it was odd. I was curious. It's like an attack on my very core. And so he prophesies and says, there's a mantle in there and it's time to take it out. It was two years ago, two years ago during the pandemic. And I remember thinking, how do you do that? What does that even mean? A mantle? You know, I'm, not, what do you do with that? Well, you start investigating. You start saying, what is the mantle on my life? And I need to lean into that. And he gave me clarity, gave me understanding, brings me to this point right now. So he says, if you do this, you will expand to the right and to the left. This is in scripture. You will expand to the right and the left and your descendants, ooh, children's ministry, 
Your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate cities inhabited. Wow. Woo! When you complain, you're going in the wrong direction. You're confessing anti-prophetic. You're telling your body and your mind that this won't happen. You shrink into unbelief according to Hebrews 10. And it says, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But when you sing into your future, prophesy into your future, lean into your future, and believe that God's doing something great in America right now, you are facing the presence of God. You are speaking in faith to the promise. You are alerting your body and your mind this is going to happen. You begin to expand in the promise with hope because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's give a shout to God. Just worship Him. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.